Hello and welcome to the Transfer Window, the podcast that brings you the news before it becomes news, as well as insight and analysis into all the subjects you're talking about in football. I'm Ian McGarry and with me, as always, is the man, uh, Duncan Castles. Beware cheap imitations, as we like to say. And of course, there's nowhere else to start on today's pod than the Cristiano Ronaldo uh, story, Duncan, with regards to um, where he may or may not end up. Uh, Interesting that Massimiliano Allegri um, in his pre-match press conference uh, before the game against Empoli, uh, basically preceded any questions by simply giving a statement that Cristiano had made it clear he didn't want to play for Juventus anymore and he would be leaving. Uh, at this moment in time, as we record, uh, Ronaldo is on his private jet, uh, but lots of chat, Duncan, about Manchester City, interest uh, in Ronaldo. Um, However, I think that you and I both have had um, information which put uh, Paris Saint-Germain and, most interestingly, Manchester United in the picture with regards to what happens next. Yes. um, I I think Pep Guardiola summed this up quite well in his press conference today um, when he said in this three or four days left till the transfer window shuts, everything can happen. But in my personal view, there are a few players, and Cristiano is one of them, they decide where they, where they are going to play. Cristiano will decide where he wants to play, not Manchester City, not myself. And I think that's exactly what Cristiano Ronaldo wanted to happen. I, we have reported on this situation for months on the podcast um, we've told you that Max Allegri, uh, coming back into Juventus, felt that it would be best for his squad and, and his rebuild if they took Ronaldo's um, 31 million euro net salary off the wage bill so it could be spent elsewhere. Um, and that all through this summer, Allegri had been trying to uh, facilitate a move out of the club and he's he has met managed to make that happen he's managed to make it happen in a way where cristiano is the one who is attributed to making making that decision that he's leaving so the way allegri talked about it was that cristiano told me that he didn't want to play at juventus anymore and he wasn't available for the game and he would be moving elsewhere um we said in the last podcast that ronaldo had been unhappy with this perception that he was unwanted and that um, that he was struggling to find a new club. And the situation's turned in the space of a few days into one in which Manchester City have had direct conversations. Pep Guardiola has had direct conversations with Cristiano Ronaldo about coming to the club. Um, Ronaldo had been told by um, his representatives that if he wanted to move to Manchester City, if he was ready to move to Manchester City, a deal could be put in place for that to happen. And the reporting around it has been extensive and obviously it was going to be that way because it's a huge story 
um, and one of uh, great significance to the, the club that Ronaldo is associated with in, in England, Manchester United. And the perception is how can he move to the other side of the city? How can Manchester United not do something about this? Why isn't he available to Manchester United? Well, he has been available to Manchester United. He has been for months. We've reported this extensively in the podcast that Ronaldo had been offered to United uh, back in March. We did a section in which we explained that he'd been proposed to the Glazers as as the Tom Brady option, um, the star quarterback that won the Glazers the Super Bowl. He would be football's equivalent if they were to sign him and he would be available this summer. He could be extracted from Juventus this summer. Then he could lead Manchester United back to Premier League and Champions League success. Uh, are you prepared to do it? We said all along that Manchester United's position was, um, thank you, uh, there's a possibility here, we'll get back to you. Um, they didn't get back to him until it looked as though he was going to Manchester City. And um, in the last few hours, they have accelerated a process of seeing whether it's financially feasible to bring Ronaldo back to Manchester United. Um, there's been a meeting at the training ground today um, to discuss that. I'm told that Uli Gunnar Solskjaer has said, if it can be done, let's do it. I think you see from Solskjaer's press conference where he was asked about Ronaldo, um, that he was opening the lines um, for it to be possible if the Glazers were prepared to finance it. Talked about Bruno Fernandes being in touch with them. Talked about him being the greatest player of all time, if you ask me. Um, and said, let's see, everyone who's played with him has a soft spot for him. Um, if he's going to move away from Juventus, he knows we're here. Um, I think you have more information on the, the kind of seduction process that post uh, previous Manchester United players have been involved in, previous teammates have been involved in, to to try and get uh, Cristiano to move away from Manchester City. Um, so tell us about that, Ian, for now. Indeed, yeah. I'm told that um, former players and teammates of uh, Ronaldo have been in touch with him, including Rio Ferdinand and Gary Neville. Um, uh, other players as well uh, who have been dismayed by the notion that he might join Manchester City and have said, uh, why not come back, come home, basically, come home to Manchester United. I thought it was very interesting, Duncan, that uh, Solskjaer called him a Manchester United legend on four separate occasions during his press conference. Uh, I'm also told, uh, like you, that um, Solskjaer would be keen to have him back, even though they do have a surfeit of players uh, who can play wide and come in. But of course, Ronaldo has been playing centrally for some time uh, as, a, as, a, as a point striker. Now, just as interesting in all of this in terms of the machinations of what's going on in this particular transaction and uh, deal and negotiation is <clears throat> that City uh, and sources at City that I've spoken to are becoming less confident 
<clears throat> at the moment anyway, with regards to signing Ronaldo. Uh, I think at a point, maybe two or three days ago, they were, they felt certainly that they were able to sign him uh, under terms that they had agreed, both with Juventus and with uh, the player and his representatives. However, that has changed and turned around uh, since then and that there are options for Cristiano Ronaldo both at Manchester United and Paris Saint-Germain, um, although the Paris option is very much dependent on what happens with Kylian Mbappe and Real Madrid, which we'll come on to uh, in a, f a little while in the pod. But there must be, and I think there is, an, emo an emotional draw towards a return to Manchester United, where, of course, Ronaldo made his name. Uh, after transferring from Sporting Lisbon. Um, I'm told that Sir Alex Ferguson has also, someone who Ronaldo called his second father, uh, has also been in touch with the player to say, um, there is a home here for you. If you want to come home and finish your career here, then you should do. Uh, and that must be an emotional pull for the player himself. Uh so yeah, I, I I think this is becoming it's a very very fluid situation, that's for sure. Um, it's not necessarily about money anymore, although Juventus are very keen to recoup at least some money um, on the transfer fee they paid to Real Madrid. Uh, it's my understanding they still owe twenty nine million euros on the um, transfer to Madrid uh, in the instalment process, which they are keen to get as much back as it, as they can. Um, but that's hardly going to be an obstacle to um, any uh, new club signing Cristiano. I think it should be remembered that um, within 24 hours of signing for Juve, Juve sold 60 million euros worth of Ronaldo merchandise, uh, which, you know, if you make a comparison, when Neymar signed for Paris Saint-Germain, they sold under 10 million euros worth of merchandise. Now, while the profit on that to the club is not necessarily great, but um, if you compare, uh, and of course we know how much Richard Arnold at Manchester United loves his um, social media statistics, Ronaldo has something like over 90 million followers on Twitter and Instagram individually, uh, whereas uh, Juventus have 10 million. So um, bringing Ronaldo back to the club will obviously uh, increase that and make Richard Arnold look like a superstar. Um, yeah, I think, Ian, there's a financial element for Juventus, obviously, and they want to reduce their their output on on Ronaldo, their expenditure on Ronaldo and place it elsewhere in the team. Um, what I'm being told by people close to the player is that the important thing to him is that he is at a top European club where he can win trophies, where he can add to that incredible um, track record, where he can further establish himself as 
in his view, not just the, the, the leading footballer of all time, but the leading sportsman of all time. And he, he sees, apart from this issue with Allegri uh, wanting to rebuild, um, he sees Juventus as a club who can't compete to win the Champions League anymore. And he has obviously a limited uh, time left in his career because he's, he turns 37 in February, despite you know he's in fantastic physical shape. He has just finished as a leading scorer in Italy. Um, you know, we've, we've talked about how uh, clever a deal Chelsea did in getting a finished product and, and bringing Romelu Lukaku. Well, from... Ronaldo's got more goals than Lukaku, Duncan. Exactly, so, exactly. You know. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the point. He, he He's outscored the player that we're talking about as being a great finished product signing for um, Chelsea uh, in a team that struggled to make Champions League football, a Juventus team that struggled to make Champions football against an Inter side that, that ran away with the division. So there's, there's the contrast in, in performance in terms of putting, bo- putting the ball in the net. And you know, Ronaldo's talked about this before. He's talked about the possibility of going to Manchester City six years ago, I think. And he said, the, I would probably go to Qatar if it was about money. Um, because probably they have more money than Manchester City, but it's not about the money, it's about the passion. Um, and, and I think with Ronaldo, that's genuine. Um, it, it is about the ability to prove himself and perform on the pitch. I was told that he was very impressed with his conversation with Guardiola. Um, so, uh, and, and I think an element, and this is important, was I was also told that the presentation to Ronaldo was, if you are prepared to go to Manchester City, we can get a deal done. So the, the, they're very conscious of, are you as an individual prepared to damage your relationship with the Manchester United supporters by going to their greatest rival? And, and, I, and I think this is, this is the element that's important as to Manchester United's response, if they allow Cristiano Ronaldo to go to the strongest team in England, the champions who have just spent £100 million buying um, arguably the best creative English player in the division, who made the Champions League final last season, if they allow him to go there and he wins the title again with Manchester City and he's the guy who brings them the Champions League, it doesn't matter how much Manchester United talk about cultural reboots and, and talk about, well, we have, we have our new recruitment policy. We're building for the future. It's step-by-step progress. We'll get there in the end. The, the response of most external observers will be, and, and I think a lot of the supporters will be, you will have the opportunity to bring our, one of our favourite players of all time back to the club and you turned it down and allows them to go to City instead. And that's why Ronaldo's kind of flipped this position of him being a partial outcast at Juventus and him struggling to find a new club into one where you have at least two clubs fighting over him with a few days left in the window. And important here is this deal needs to be done quickly because um, Ronaldo is due to to fly to Lisbon on Sunday to um, join the uh, Portuguese national team camp ahead of the World Cup qualifiers. So um, they would like this resolved rapidly. And you also have Paris Saint-Germain, depending on what happens with Kylian Mbappe. So if Kylian Mbappe is allowed to leave to Madrid and Madrid pushing very hard to get that done today, increasing their offer for the player yesterday and waiting for an answer on that offer, 
then as as we've discussed in previous podcasts, Qatar will want to respond and they'll want to respond with a at least one headline signing. And they are being presented with the opportunity, as City and Manchester United are, to take Cristiano Ronaldo and pair him in a team with Lionel Messi. Now, if you're Qatar and you want to make a statement, what bigger statement as a response to losing Mbappe than putting Ronaldo the two and Messi, the two greatest players of all time in many people's consideration in the same team? Nasr al-Khalifi, the, the president, has said signing Cristiano Cristiano Ronaldo is not even a discussion. That was his, his formal statement on it. But remember, that's in the context of them trying to prevent Mbappe going to Madrid. Um, guidance from the people involved in these negotiations is that this should be clarified soon um, and that they do not want to rule out any of the three clubs as possible destinations for Ronaldo. So it is very much in play. Um, it's a remarkable end to the transfer window. Given Duncan that Neymar uh, left Barcelona um, partly because he felt he was always going to be in Messi's shadow and Messi, of course, has now joined him at PSG. What the hell's going to happen if Cristiano ends up in Paris as well and you get those three playing up front and the egos involved and uh, the general, uh, you know, um, competition, if you like, and uh, between the three of them with regards to uh, who's the best player. Um, it just, I think it creates a problem all of its own. I wouldn't like to be Pochettino in that circumstance. Well, what you can say about PSG's recruitment, it, it, it's not a traditional project of trying to combine players who will make the best football team. Um, they don't seem to be buying with the sense of we need lot, we need players who will do the running around one or two guys who uh, who sit back and, and wait and do the finishing. Um, obviously, if they lose Mbappe, they lose the guy who puts the most physical effort in of those three superstar strikers they have at the moment um interesting you mentioned neymar obviously neymar was pivotal in, in messi coming back to psg so um he liked that idea of, of of being paired again with with one of his close friends from barcelona he i am very reliably told has been pushing the idea that should mbappe go he be replaced with richarlison his national teammate, um, who, as we told you in the previous podcast, has already been offered to PSG by Kia Jarabshin, who um, Rafa Benitez said would not be sold today, um, and who I, th I think I think you have to say if Mbappe goes, just signing Richarlison as a replacement will not be sufficient for Qatar. They will want a bigger name should they be forced to lose the player that they've said could not exit and would not exit. Um, and Paul Pogba is one of the, the players who is potentially available on the market, who has been in talks with PSG, um, who has one year left on contract, <laughs> um, where Cristiano Ronaldo to, uh, 
to end up at Manchester United, then obviously Manchester United's wage bill goes up and and uh, the requirement for and the openness of United to, to sell Pogba, you could expect, would increase. Um, and they would have money from that to put into the midfield area that they've been looking at. Um, let's do, let's talk about where Mbappé is because that is as big a, a story, I think, as the Cristiano Ronaldo story. Um, Real Madrid increased their offer on Thursday evening to Paris Saint-Germain for the player to 180 million euros, including a performance-related bonus, which is exactly the same sum that PSG agreed to pay Monaco for the player in 2017, the same sum that Real Madrid agreed to pay Monaco at that time. And I, and I think that's important. People involved in that transaction have told me that will be Madrid's final offer. Um, they don't want to go any higher than that. They've told me um, when I spoke to them a, a couple of hours ago, they said PSG had not come back with an answer. Um, it had been less than 24 hours since the bid was made. And they were waiting um, nervously, I was told, uh, to, to find out what PSG's response would be. Um, they are saying that if PSG say no, Madrid will step away and wait for January and then sign Mbappe under freedom of contract um, when he has the, the ability, legal ability to sign a pre-contract with them. Um, they see this final bid effectively as a last minute offer um, because they feel like they can't let the situation run to the 31st of August. Similar reasons with Ronaldo, um, France play a, a World Cup qualifier on September the 1st, so they, they think it's impossible for Mbappe to be in Madrid taking medicals on the 31st and then flying to Paris to play the next day. So as far as they're concerned, this is it coming down to the wire. Um, they've increased the offer. They feel, and the noises they're hearing from the Paris end, that PSG are looking at alternatives, looking at replacements, um, that they are, there is the possibility that PSG will concede, take the money, reinvest it elsewhere, and allow Florentino Perez to have the player, as you've put it, who he's obsessed about for, um, for I think, well over 12 months now, and, uh, and start his next Galactico project by, by placing him in the, the, the Santiago Bernabeu that's being rebuilt at present. Just for uh, Rath Benitez's benefit, Duncan, um, I'm sure he'll be listening to the pod at some point. Uh, he says that Richarlison's not for sale, but um, my information from Everton and a very high-placed source was he's available for £70 million. So um, it may be that someone needs to tell Rafa that before he does press conferences saying that he's not available and he's not for sale. Um, so Richarlison could be heading out of Goodison Park, as well as Moise Keane, who is very close uh, to agreeing a deal to return to Juventus, which, strangely enough, of course, would mean you'd be replacing Cristiano Ronaldo. And it's becoming a very, it's almost like a logjam, Duncan, with regards to um, what's happening in terms of the transfers and deals going through in the last few days of the window. Something we're not unfamiliar with, but at the same time, it's a bit crazy when you think about um, 
we've had, you know, three months of the window almost being open and yet everything seems to happen in the last week. Uh, it just tends to get, uh, you know, people seem to think that will get cheaper. In fact, it gets more expensive. Yeah, look, it's a, it's obviously a very special, unusual window because we have COVID effects. Um, we have these big name players on immense salaries and, and clubs like Juventus trying to move them out and it's never easy to shift. Duncan, can you remember three of the best players in the world, probably the three best players in the world, Mbappe, Ronaldo and Messi, all moving in the same window? No, it's it's unprecedented. It is, yeah. And it's and crazy. it's and the majority of the the movement is happening at, at the tail end of the window. Um the briefing I have from Juventus is they want that Moise Keane deal done before they conclude the Ronaldo deal. Um understand that Everton have actually made an inquiry to Brighton about Neil Mope um as a potential replacement for Richarlison because they they are taking seriously what Kia Jurabshin's told them that he is a um, possibility to to replace Mbappe at PSG. Um Brighton, I'm told, not keen on that sale. Um obviously not Brighton Moise keen. <laughs> obviously Brighton trying to have been spending a lot of time trying to get a new centre forward in, so selling their current centre forward without having having uh, secured the replacement isn't clever for them. Um but yeah, it's I yes, we're we're entering, I think, uncharted territory. Um in this window because because you have these absolute top of the game names with huge um salaries associated with them um trying to do deals in the final weekend you know Mbappe and, and Ronaldo both of those deals trying to be um constructed and completed uh before they go off and play national team games next week that is one of the um also complicating factors that we have the international break straight after the close of the window um, because players have to take medicals um, and contracts have to be agreed. One of the things, Duncan, that I'm told, um, which is a complicating factor in the Ronaldo deal, just to go back to that, and I'm, I'm sure it's the same with Mbappe, is that the co any contract he signs has a very complex image rights agreement uh, involved in it because obviously Ronaldo's image rights are extremely valuable to the player himself as well as to his uh, representatives and therefore um, having all of the legal aspects tied up uh, before the deal is signed, never mind a medical as well, um, is quite difficult with regards to um, the time it takes. So this will be a very, very frantic two or three days um, in terms of trying to get this stuff over the line. Uh, it almost makes David De Gea's failed move to Real Madrid via, uh, you know, the delayed, I don't know if it was, even was an email or a fax, um, look simple by comparison uh, a few years ago it was a it was a fax and and that's an important thing to mention here with manchester united because i've always been told by people involved in deals in manchester united that they are very slow over paperwork 
um, very slow over legal agreements, very slow over decision making because the the executives in the club have to refer everything back to the the Glazer family, um, and obviously they're they are one of the the players here, so um, that is going to be a complication that Ronaldo and Co face um, while trying to get this deal done. It's also quite. I think it's quite amusing to look at where PSG are now and this fight they have over Mbappe and this decision they have to make over Mbappe. Do we take the money now or do we lose him for nothing in, in January? Um, to what um, Nasser Al-Khalifi was boasting about and saying upon signing Lionel Messi from, from Barcelona a couple of weeks ago uh, and talking about how everyone knows the future of Kylian. He's in a competitive player. He wants to win. He wants to win trophies. He wants a competitive team. We have the most competitive team in the world. He can't do anything but stay. Um, he's facing that competitive, most competitive team in the world, as he thinks it is, being torn apart before they've even played the Champions League game. And in a week where Portugal moved higher than, than France in the UEFA coefficient, so France is actually now officially, by UEFA's calculation, the number six league in Europe. PSG sporting director um, Leonardo gave an interview to RMC Radio where he, he did say very clearly that Mbappe wants to leave and wants to go to Real Madrid. Um, so, you know, you've got Khalifa saying one thing, Leonardo saying another. We know that, um, and you've said and reported uh, on the podcast that. Mbappe's relationship with Leonardo was not good. So a season, because the season started, where do you think Paul Pogba will be? Where do you think Cristiano Ronaldo will be? <laughs> um, uh, easy question, obviously. Look, I, I hate doing these stuff. I hate even more when people ask. Uh, that's why I asked you percentages uh, on these deals. Uh, <laughs> Let's, we've reported. We've reported the situation. It's clear. I think from what Kylian Mbappe has said to the people involved that he will be, he's decided he will be a Real Madrid player. It's a, it's a matter of when. Um, does it happen now? Does it happen this weekend? Or um, does he sign a pre-contract in January and move in the summer? That, as simple as that. It, with Cristiano Ronaldo, we've told you everything is in play and it's in play today. Uh, Manchester United have had that meeting today to discuss do we allow him to go to Manchester City or not um, it's interesting I, I think it's just interesting to see what he chooses and who comes up with the biggest offer it tells you a lot about the individual clubs tells you a lot about him as an individual what his decision will be and, and I think we just carry on reporting these things the information we have solidly sourced on um what is happening with these individuals, what the options are presented to them, what the discussions have been, and we, we report how it turns out when it turns out. And Pogba? Pogba is, we again, something we've talked about in the podcast for a long time. Uh, he's, his dream is to play for Real Madrid, much as, as Kylian Mbappe's dream is to play for Real Madrid. He's worked himself into a situation where he pretty much has control of his future terms of 
who he signs a contract for next. He 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 has, as you reported, like several months ago, United have have wanted to start talks about a new contract and tried to get him to extend his contract because they don't want to lose him for essentially no fee. They got a, you know a pittance of training compensation for his move to Juventus. But they don't want that to happen again. They want to control it. He's refused to allow them to control it, which tells you Manchester United is not his first choice. Something out would have to change in his head for Manchester United to be his preferred option. Real Madrid have said to him, wait and run your contract down and we'll come back for you in a year's time. Whether that happens, whether that's genuine on Madrid's part or whether that's just a, a handy play for them to ensure he stays at United for now is, is a different matter because we told you that Florentino Perez wants to pair Erling Haaland with um, Mbappe once he has Mbappe in the team. Uh, PSG have had those conversations. Mino Raiola has a great relationship with Leonardo. They've done a lot of deals together. Um, he, if Pogba can be persuaded that Paris Saint-Germain is the, the best option, then I think that's probably the most likely one. And and you have that element of, and, and it's all dominoes falling into place, but if Qatar take the decision that Mbappe goes and they need that headline signing, there's Paul Pogba uh, sitting at Manchester United who can't get him to sign a new contract, available, let's say, for 50 million euros. You would PSG suddenly have 180 million euros in the bank to buy replacements, and they're able to put another superstar into their Power Rangers team another French superstar into their team, replacing the French superstar that leaves. So I think they are the most likely um, access for a change of club, a club that should be more competitive for the Champions League um, if this <laughs> kind of Frankenstein team of superstars that they've put together actually functions as a unit um, and who can obviously give him as much salary as he wants because it's nation state money and uh, and 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 the, the financial reality behind the deal isn't an object for them. Well, in the spirit of fairness and Mary Shelley, thank you for the reference, Duncan, <laughs> um, I am going to give my three predictions. Uh, I will not sit on the fence. I will say Mbappe, Real Madrid, Pogba, PSG, and Cristiano Ronaldo to Manchester United, which is controversial given how much has been made of the possibility of him going to Manchester City. However, when Pep Guardiola refers to him as the Portugal guy, um, I think he knows already that he's not coming to the Etihad. Uh, time will tell. Uh, we move to Chelsea and their pursuit, Duncan, of a defender. Uh, two things very interestingly happening uh, now at Stamford Bridge with regards to incoming and outgoing. Uh, incoming, Jules Kunde, the French international uh, defender, uh, we understand has agreed personal terms and is due to take a medical uh to join Chelsea in the next 36 to 48 hours, uh, something that, of course, we have reported on uh, in the last pod and 
well before that as well. Kurt Zuma, uh, his move to West Ham United is being delayed by uh, a medical hiccup, if you want to call it that, because we uh, don't want to speculate on exactly what's happening given the confidentiality of such things. Though we do understand that something uh, has come up regarding um, a past injury problem and that Zuma is due to undergo a second uh, medical examination uh, with regards to uh, clearing his move uh, to the Olympic Stadium, or I should say the London Stadium. Um, of course, that would give Chelsea cash uh, in order to pay for the Kunde transfer. Um, good swap, Duncan, in terms of one in, one out? Oh, it's a it's a massive upgrade. Um, Zuma not Tam Tuchel's uh, preferred choice as defender. They're in line for making a substantial uh, transfer fee out of it, um, shifting him to to West Ham United, who are not direct competitors um, of Chelsea. Uh, they shift a significant wage off their wage bill as well. They get one of the most talented young defenders in, in European football um, and someone that Tottenham have been trying to sign to someone who Real Madrid like, but are keeping their money for Mbappe. Um, my information is uh, that, yes, the personal terms have been agreed for some time. I think we first reported on that uh, last month that Chelsea had agreed personal terms with Kunde. Uh, Kundi's happy to go there. Um, the the fee has come into question because I'm told Monchi, the Sevilla sports director, is asking for uh, an additional five million to be added to that fee because it, Chelsea have managed to drag this deal to the final week of the window, and uh, his point is that um, we will now have to pay more for a replacement because you've left it so late. So um, we know you've got the deal in place with the player. If you really want him and you, you're you selling Zuma to make space for him, then you're going to have to throw a little bit of extra money in to do it. Uh, replacements, one of the options for Sevilla is Sven Botman at Lille. Um, they have inquired with the player's agent about his availability. And Leo are looking at actually a Chelsea player as a possibility to replace Botman if he's sold. So um, Malang Sar, uh, the Chelsea centre back, would uh, be a possible signing as a as a loan in a loan deal to replace Botman in the in the French team. Um, I think similar stuff happening in kind of circles of of defenders with. Uh, with other um, players at Leo, so is uh, Zeki Selic, the right back who Atletico are looking at as a potential new signing, which would allow Manchester United to do a deal for Kieran Trippier if they get Selic in. And um, Leo uh, considering or trying to get Sergio Aurier as a replacement for Selic, although that one looks difficult to me in terms of the 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 wages that Aurier would be would command I would think um, Tottenham would have to subsidise his wage to allow him to join Leo uh, obviously if Manchester United get Trippier then they have uh, surplus right back in Diogo Dalot, Borussia Dortmund 
are interested in taking the low and they'd prefer to do it on loan with an option to buy. Um, yeah, it's, it'd be quite quite a deal for Solskjaer if he manages to get Trippier, who he's pushed for for the entire window in as a second England international top line right back uh, beside Arnaud Bissaka, who was a who was a record signing in that position when when he bought him, um, and uh, and get Cristiano Ronaldo in as a as a as a second elite centre forward uh, to trade uh, places with Edson Cavani, who um, they went uh, to pretty good, pretty extensive lengths to convince to stay for another season and and, and having Mason Greenwood in, in there as another option in attack. It, it's a depth of squad where you, you've got to say that um, there can't be any and, 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 and Anthony Martial, who they've not managed to dispose of. Yeah, and are now saying that um, he's an important part of the scheme, but uh, it's a depth of squad where with with quality in so many positions that you'd have to say that it removes excuses about it's not It's treble winning, win isn't it, Duncan? It's a treble winning squad. I'm not sure it's a treble winning squad, but it's <clears throat> certainly a squad that should win at least one a piece of significant silverware. And you can't imagine um, putting a, a proper elite manager in charge of that squad and and not being able to win silverware. Even even the current squad as it stands, you would think with a proper high quality manager should be able to produce some kind of silverware and a, and a challenge for the Premier League title. I've not heard of proper elite. Where's he right now? Is he is he a, a, a club that I don't know of? <laughs> some would argue. Some would argue that there's, you know, there's one elite manager who who came into the Premier League last season and uh, and rapidly demonstrated that it doesn't take all that long to sort out a squad and and provide silverware. And yeah, and get voted UEFA Coach of the Year as well um, after four months in charge. Very, very good. Um, now, Maxwell Corney uh, has looks like very close to, to joining the Premier League as well. Um, good move. Um, we'll see how close he is to to joining the Premier League. I know Burnley are confident that they have a deal in place. I know that the uh, the principal of their new owners, Alan Pace, flew to Leon earlier this week. Um, to agree a transfer fee with the French club who have been open to selling Corny throughout this window and to talk to the player direct to persuade him to come to Burnley. Uh, guidance I have is they believe that um, that, that will be sufficient, that Leon will sell. Um, I think they're right on that one, Leon will sell um, and that the player will be prepared to join them and and, uh, and start work under the, the ginger tyrant that is Sean Dyche. It looks, I think, as one of those deals where you have a few days left in the window, you have a price established for a very high-performing and uh, flexible player. Um, Corne can play on the wing and he can also play and has played a lot at fullback for Leon. Um, you can imagine a, let's say, a, a more storied and appealing club than Burnley coming in and matching that price and uh, and the player saying uh, actually thanks Alan um, I, I I like your offer but uh, 
unfortunately, I've decided this this other club is uh, is more attractive than than Burnley. Um, please call again in a few years' time. Well, uh, in my experience of visiting Lyon and uh, Burnley, and for that matter, Lyon has uh, more uh, three star Michelin restaurants <laughs> than most cities uh, in the world. Burnley has none. Uh, so I hope Maxwell um, likes ice cream rather than gourmet food, yeah, given his second name. Uh, yeah, I don't want to be harsh on Burnley, but you have to say that that uh, they, they did it the right way around in flying themselves to Leon for the conversation rather than flying the player <laughs> to Burnley. <laughs> Another player possible in the move, Duncan, uh, as we round up transfers for today, uh, Musa Sissoko. Yeah, Musa Suzuko taking a medical at Watford today um, as a uh, replacement for Will Hughes, um, who is looking like he will go to Crystal Palace. Um, Hughes, four seasons as a starter at Watford, 26 years of age. I think he's been a very solid uh, player for them. Um, it's it's an interesting scenario, this, because he I'm told he ended up in a contract dispute with Watford. He asked uh, for parity with the club's top earners, um, but the Pozos are restructuring their wage bill and do did not want to grant him that and they eventually forced him to train with the under 23s mm. to try and the, the john uh, terry clause as as it's known <laughs> um but uh, it's an interesting choice of of replacement because sissoko will not again not come cheap from a wage perspective um and uh you'll get a very competent premier league professional but uh well on the, the wrong side of 30 um as a if you're looking for him to be a, a long-term solution for for Watford's midfield. And for our good friends uh, and listeners who are interested in Celtic Football Club, please just update us on the long-running saga of uh, the striker who uh, seems like a ghost because he's not signed yet but may actually become a reality. Yeah, on, on the last podcast, we, we did flag up that Celtic were going to be in the Netherlands for their Europa League playoff game against Azed Alkmaar. And there was an opportunity there for uh, discussions to take place in person and for for Celtic to persuade Yakimakis um, that it was the right club to move to. Um, my understanding is that that did happen, um, that Yakimakis met Ange Postacoglu in person for the first time um, and talked to the Celtic hierarchy before their uh, Europa League playoff, which they, they just about managed to get through to make the, the competition proper. Um, Postacoglu, again, I'm told, made a very good impression on Yakimakis. Um, Yakimakis also likes the way Celtic are playing under them. Um, of a very attacking style and uh, perception that should he move there, um, it's going to be a great place to be as a centre forward because there'll be lots of opportunities to score goals and, and demonstrate his, his quality in, in Scottish football. He, he's in this position because he scored 26 and 30 matches in the Eredivisie last season for Venlo, a team that finished one point off the bottom of the table. Um, 
I, the information I have today is that Venlo have now signed off on an agreement with Celtic uh, on the transfer fee. It will be 2.5 million euros plus performance related variables and a sell on clause in Venlo's favor um, that the personal terms are now agreed in principle uh, and that uh, Yakamakis is preparing to take a medical um, which will happen um, probably in France and uh, that Celtic are working on preparing the, the, the player's work visa. So it looks like at the end of a long, long process with a lot of uh, toing and froing between the two sides that um, Postacoglu has his man and uh, Jorgis Yakamakis will be the new centre forward for Celtic as they try and take the, the title off the, the not so powerful Rangers. So, with or without a new striker, obviously Celtic play Rangers uh, this weekend in the first Old Firm Derby this season. Uh, enjoy that, if indeed that is your uh, way of spending your Sunday afternoon. Um, until next week, when we will be reviewing um, all of the transfers that have taken place during this window, um, please engage with us on our Social media platforms, we are at Transfer Podcast on Instagram and on Facebook and on Twitter. Duncan is on at Duncan Castles. I am on Garbo SJ. Uh, we love to get involved. We love you to get involved. You are the Transfer Window community, so please do so. Mm-hmm.